In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, is there anything that can't be forgiven? Well, I don't think there's anything outside of forgiveness, but that doesn't mean we don't forget. Well, this is a very, very touchy subject. We know what Scripture has to say is the right response on forgiveness. But unless we have walked in someone else's shoes, forgiveness is hard to digest. Well, it is easy to speak the words of someone else and say, you know, you, you really should forgive them and you really need to get over that. It's really easy to do that, but it's really hard when you're the one living with that because you just go, I, you don't understand my pain mm-hmm. and my anger and resentment and the, and the harm that it's done to me. It's easy to say those words, but it's really hard to put forgiveness in practice. And Patty, I know, you know, over the years we first connected because of, a painful scenario, and, and you have experienced the power of forgiveness in such a, a, a profound and powerful way yourself. Well, it, it, I, I have. I definitely have experienced that power, but it's not a one-time gig, and mm-hmm. I think many times people think that forgiveness is this, okay, I, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to walk on and skip happily into, you know. I forgave you, and thus it's all over. <laughs> yes, and unfortunately, there it, it, it can come back, and it just kind of sneaks up on you, so mm-hmm. you really have to stay current with your your thought process and, and, your and heart. It, it's a daily thing. It can be like an hourly thing. It's going to be a minute by minute thing sometimes depending on the scenario and, and how deep the pain really is. And what reminds you even down to smells and emotions that can be evoked. And I know you've walked the court system with us uh, initially for three years mm-hmm. as the man who murdered um, my mom. Uh, he actually is on death row now waiting for execution. And my, my family has definitely struggled with forgiveness. And um, as you go through the appeals in the last 11 years, you're continuously having it put back into your face. You're kind of reliving it. And that's why you have to continually kind of refresh the forgiveness button um, because things do come back like you said, the ebbs and flows of it. And it is a journey. And that's the whole thing. Life is a journey. The pain, the emotions, the good, everything, it's just part of the journey. And learning to handle it and live with it is just part of our challenge. And as we know, with God, all things are possible. But we also know that pain is very real. And we deal with that. Well, today, we are hearing this, this, about the journey and the story of a very, um, I think, very remarkable woman, Rebecca Alonzo, who you may have recently seen on the Dr. Phil show like we did on CNN or the 700 Club. You know, Rebecca has every right 
to be someone who harbors anger and resentment. But in her book, The Devil and Pew Number Seven, Rebecca tells her family's harrowing story, but she also shares her journey to forgiveness of the man who hurt and devastated her family. And her remarkable story is going to deepen your understanding of forgiveness in the midst of a painful circumstance. Rebecca, we want to welcome you to Girlfriend at Radio. Thank you for for being our guest and our girlfriend today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, Rebecca, this is such a powerful story, so we we really don't want to waste any time because we want to hear every single ounce of of your emotions and and the thoughts going into um, all that you have experienced. So we are going to dive right in there and ask you some questions. And in your book, you talk about that you never felt safe as a child. Can you explain why? Well, my, my dad pastored a, a church in North Carolina. It was a, a small church in a small town. It was actually located on Sellerstown Road because most of the people that lived on that road, their last name was Sellers. So we're talking small community, family, hardworking farmers um, up before the sun, you know, worked until the sun went down. So when my mom and dad came to this little church in North Carolina back in um, 1969, They came there to do some meetings because the church did not have a pastor. But once they got there, they fell in love with the people, and then the church asked them to stay on as pastors. And my mom and dad had been traveling off and on for probably six years um, doing evangelistic work. They did build a church in Mobile, Alabama, but then turned that over to my dad's sister, Dorothy, to pastor, and felt like they were supposed to hit the road again. They were pioneers. I mean, they traveled with uh, an electric coffee pot in their trunk and fishing poles. So if they preached at a church and they didn't pay them enough, they would go catch fish for their dinner. I mean, they were just so abandoned to the call of spreading the good news that they did not hold their lives uh, dear to themselves. You know, they Mm -hmm. totally surrendered their heart to God. And so when they got to this little town, and were asked to stay on as pastors, my mom looked next door to the parsonage that was being built and looked at these sweet people and said, we'll take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm tired of traveling. I'm ready to settle down and have a family. And I so they that did. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? I said she wanted to retire that fishing pole. <laughs> so they, you know, right, right. So then they, they, you know, moved into the parsonage. She had me the next spring in April, and so I was born into that church family, grew up as a PK. There's positives and negatives to that. The positives is that you have all kinds of love from everybody, and everybody's aunt and uncle. The negative (laughs) is that I couldn't get away with anything. I mean, by the time I got home, my mother had already been called by someone, and I was in trouble. (laughs) So, um, you know, just really fell in love with the community. When they got there, there were about a dozen people. And within a year, they had over 100 people, which is huge for a rural community like that, farming community. People were dropping 45 minutes from neighboring uh, towns to come to our little church. Hmm. And so the church grew, the love grew. Um, you know, everybody was just embracing my parents except for one man, and his name was Mr. Watts. And he sat in pew number seven every Sunday. And so he went along with things for a while, for about a year and a half, and then he started kind of letting his opinion be known that my dad wasn't doing things the way that he wanted them done. Mm -hmm. And my dad was finding out that 
Mr. Watts's wife, who was the church secretary, was allowing Mr. Watts to write a check for the offering and take the cash and get the tax deduction. So, oh, you know, my. It, okay, so wait, my we dad have to, said, okay. We have to stop you right there, Rebecca. What, how, how long had this been going on, and how did your father discover that type of embezzlement? Right, right. Well, Mr. Watts had been in control of this community for over 30 years, uh, maybe even longer. That's, that's all I'm aware of. But he was a wealthy county commissioner, and he was also a loan shark. So he would loan money to the farmers, and if they didn't do what he wanted them to do, he would foreclose on their homes and farms. And these farms were passed down through generations of families. So, so it this wasn't is a like, true okay, modern, I've lost my... I'm sorry? He's a, he's a true modern-day Pharisee tax collector. Right, like a godfather of the community is, yeah. is kind of mm-hmm. what I call him. Um, like, just real controlling and p- very powerful. And so my dad found out somehow, I guess because he became the pastor and took over the uh, records and wanted to see everything. And he came in and said, okay, we're going to set up this church according to the New Testament. We're going to have an elder board. We're going to have accountability. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a member to vote on church business. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Watts was not a member, even though he attended. So that Uh-oh. took his his voting power away. Mm-hmm. Um, he removed, my dad removed his wife as the church secretary, and then also she was teaching Old Testament law as a teacher in Sunday school. My dad came in with New Testament grace, so he removed her from that position. Wow. Your dad so you're was very about, bold. Yes. Well, very he was an ex-Navy guy. He was, you know, ex-Navy on the 6-4, wasn't scared of anyone, you know what I mean, Just mm-hmm. but had a burning desire in his heart for righteousness, to do the right thing to live a holy life, and for that church to be healthy and balanced. And so he discovered some things that Mr. Watts was doing in the dark and brought them to light, which infuriated Mr. Watts. So then the anonymous um, phone calls began throughout the day and night, 30 to 60 a day. He would hire these ex-cons to sit at his house and just call our house and hang up and hang up and hang Well, you know, you're a pastor of a small country church. You, you've got to answer your, your phone. It could be your family. It could be a church member. Mm-hmm. So the harassment began then, um, and then the threatening letters in the mail. And one of them read, you will leave Sellerstown walking, crawling, dead, or alive. And so my dad's response to that letter was, when the, de- when the Lord gets ready for me to leave this church, he won't send the message by the devil. Wow. Mm. So they okay. were just determined to say. Rebecca, mm-hmm. were you, as a child, because you're, what, what, six, seven years old, were you aware of all these, this dynamics going on? Well, it started when I was uh, probably almost two is when it began. So I kind of grew up knowing Mr. Watts didn't like our family, Um he came to church, but he never smiled. He was just this miserable person, and he sat in pew number seven, and he cleared his throat and tapped at his watch and made faces at the singers and got up and slammed the door. And so I kind of just grew up with this crazy man in our church, and my mom and dad would not acknowledge all of those disruptions because my dad was focused on preaching the Word and people getting saved, which made Mr. Watts even matter. So, And I never heard my parents say anything bad about him, and so I just knew he had some problems and he didn't like my dad. 
So they were very good at protecting my little heart as a child from, um, you know, conversations overheard on the phone and that kind of thing, which we as parents have to be careful about because our kids are listening. So I don't ever remember hearing them say anything about him. Um, when the phone calls and the letters didn't work, then he hired these guys as snipers to actually do drive-by shootings. So by the time I'm five years old, I have bullets flying past my head through my window. Mm. Um, the police are called, you know, every time. The police are called every time something happens. They come, they try to gather evidence. Um, they're just, you know, not able to do that, not able to find anything with a fingerprint on it. They would sneak into our yard at night. Rebecca, we hate, mm-hmm. we hate to interrupt you, but we That's are okay. going to go into a commercial break and hold that thought. Sure. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. Stay tuned. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on Togginap.com. Doctor, doctor. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, welcome back to Girlfriend at Radio. We are talking today with author Rebecca Alonzo, and we're talking about the issue of forgiveness and really living on the other side of, of pain and anger and what um, freedom can look like when we cho- choose to forgive. And Rebecca, you've been sharing your story, and we're back when you were a little girl. You guys are living in a small town. Your dad's a pastor of a church, and there's a very angry man in your community that is tormenting your family. Let's continue. You're talking about just kind of the emotions and what he's doing to your family. Right. Well, as I said before, this man, Mr. Watts, was a powerful uh, county commissioner, very wealthy, controlled the community. And, and when my parents got there, they pretty much put their foot down as the pastors of that church. Like, you can be a county commissioner and control what's going on in the county, but we're called here to to be servants of the Lord for this church and this community. So my dad removed him from some of his self-appointed positions, which began a war pretty much between my dad and Mr. Watts. So Mr. Watts would hire these men to do anonymous phone calls, um, threatening letters in the mail, drive-by shootings. And, and like I said before, every time the police were called, that they could not gather enough evidence to convict Mr. Watts because he would always say, I don't know what happened, you know, I, I don't, I didn't have anything to do with that because he would hire these people to do his dirty work. Mm-hmm. So then when all of that didn't scare off my parents and, and something that my mom said, uh, lined up with John fifteen thirteen, uh, which says no one has greater love than to lay down their lives for their friends. She would say, Jesus gave his life for me. I'm willing to do the same. Wow. And after, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, after a few years of this going on, you know, she is still determined to stay where God has called her. My dad, being an ex-Navy guy, a soldier is called to their post. When things get rough, you don't leave your post. Mm. So they were both united in their calling, in their ministry, in their purpose. And when the other things didn't work, that's when Mr. Watts really upped the ante and had these guys sneak into our yard, slash our tires on our car so we could not leave. Mm. flash our telephone lines, cut our telephone lines so that we could not call for help, and then shoot out the mercury light in our yard so that we couldn't see where they were, where these men were scurrying around at night. We had cornfields behind our house. I mean, it was out in a farming community. So they would sneak into these cornfields and tie sticks of dynamite to the corn stalks, put a long fuse on it, and I was taught as a little girl, Becky, if you hear tire squeal, get down, because that means a, an explosion is about to go off. Mm. And these explosions could be heard two or three miles down the road. And once they began, that's when the FBI got involved and the ATF um, agents were involved trying to collect evidence. And everyone knew who was behind it. And Mr. Watts, you know, came to church faithfully every Sunday, sat in pew number seven, and, and and not only did he attend our church, but he lived across the street from our house. Mm. So you could look out my window at night and see him pacing in his pajamas and his fedora hat back and forth in front of our house, scheming what he was going to do next to our family. And, you know, that that just shows you just the, the when you do allow Satan to come into just a little corner of your life how he can truly just take over that obsessiveness and just that control. He really felt out of control that he could not control your father. Well, he he really is evil, you know, in a person. I mean, it's just evil Mm -hmm. magnified. Right. Right. And, and, you know, he did, he lost, he lost control. 
And so my dad, you know, was more was just as determined to stay as Mr. Watts was for him to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I and I express in a book, you know, how this affected me as a child and how I was okay during the day unless I heard a gunshot, you know, and then that would kind of go through me. But at night, when the sun began to go down, after a while of this happening, my nerves were just shot. I had such a hard time going to sleep. Mm-hmm. I would lay there wide awake um, with my nightlight on in my closet until mm-hmm. my eyes burned and I could not keep them open anymore. Oh. I mean just terrified, and my parents would pray with me, and we would pray the little children's classic prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Mm-hmm. So I meant every word of that little prayer, and my parents <laughs> would, would pray with me and explain to me, we had to forgive Mr. Watts because that's what the Bible says to do. Mm. Well, a normal seven-year-old has a hard time laying in bed in the darkness, yet alone when you have that in have your good past. Reason. Yes. 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 It's not imaginary. It is very real. And I just can't imagine That's just right. that, you know, just being so terrified, like you said, as a child and even your parents, I just can't imagine, you know, just the emotions. I mean, sitting here on this side, listening to the story, it's hard to fathom that this, right. it's, it's hard to really think that evil really exists to this extent that one person can be like, like Patty said, that out of control and that angry and allow but it all Satan to really take over that much where they hate that much. Right. Without cause. With, without exactly. cause. And, and, you know, like I said, the community knew who was doing this. So this terrorism for Mr. Watts went on for over five years. And then he finally figured out a way to get a human weapon into our home because the other things that he had been doing were not working. The ATF agents were collecting evidence but could not pin him. So he he found out that my mom, on Easter weekend, 1978, had invited her friend Sue to come and stay at our house because she had called my mom that morning and said, Ramona, um, Harris has has beaten me up again. He he was an abusive alcoholic. My mom and dad had reached out to this man to try to help him. And so my mom knew the whole story. She said, Sue, come here, which... As an adult, looking back, I think we were not the safest place in town, you know. But, again, it just showed my mother's love for her friend. And so Sue came to our house. Mr. Watts found out about the situation, had one of his henchmen go and have a talk with Harris, fill him with a bunch of lies. And then Harris came into our house Easter weekend. I was seven. My brother had just turned three, my brother Daniel. And... As we're sitting there about to say the blessing, Harris barges into our home with three guns and shoots our parents in front of us. Mm. So, you know, because of what we had gone through before, I had been taught when you hear a gunshot, you get down. So immediately I ran under the kitchen table for cover. You know, I said a lot of kids were learning their ABCs and how to ride a bike when they were little. Well, I, I did that, but I was also learning how to survive, you know, how how to live in a war zone and, and not be wounded or hurt. And when he shot my parents, my dad was immediately knocked to the floor because one of the bullets hit his, his hip, his left hip. And my mother was also shot but was able to make it to the bedroom, grab the phone, and try to call for help. The beginning well, of... The book begins with that day. Rebecca, did at this point, 
what led up to all of a sudden that he would just finally say, I'm going to deal with this myself? What, what do you think when he was always hiring others to do his dirty work, what do you think took place? Well, Mr. Watts got Sue's husband, Harris, to come into our house. He could still say he didn't have anything to do with it because he was sitting across the street watching in his home while Harris was in our house. So um, he, he, he had just gotten to that point where the drive-by shootings and the uh, threatening letters and dynamite explosions were not scaring off my family. And so mm-hmm. that's when he found out, oh, well, Harris's wife is at the Nichols' home. So if we can provoke him to go in there, he'll do my dirty work for me. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's two bad guys. The devil in pew number seven is Mr. Watts. Harris was just used that one day, um, but the, the results of it were devastating. My, my dad did survive, but my mother went home to be with the Lord that day. Mm. So we, we then, as children, had to deal with the loss of our mom. At seven, I said goodbye to childhood and had to take care of my brother. I, I watched my dad try to live life without the love of his life, our mom, on tranquilizers, um, in and out of hospitals. So it was it was just, you know, an unbelievable place to be as, in a, as a child in life. You have a wounded father and your mother is gone. And so at that point, we had to move to Alabama because my dad could not care for us. So we moved in with my dad's family and did, his mom and dad father- and one of... Rebecca, did your Sorry. father take the blame? Did was was he not able to? What what was the part where he's in and out of hospitals? Was it because he thought I cannot believe I put my family in this danger? Did he resent God for allowing it to happen? Um, we have two minutes before we go into commercial break, right. and I'm asking okay. you a loaded question okay. here, but. Yeah, no, no, no. It, um, before the shooting, before the, the shooting on Easter weekend, my dad had already been experiencing paranoia because he couldn't get sleep at night. The phone was always ringing, and there were people sneaking into our yard at night. So he would stay awake at night to guard our We had guns in our home. He was a hunter. Mm-hmm. So he tried his best to protect us without, you know, going and sitting in the cornfield and actually killing somebody that was sneaking around our yard. You know what I mean? So he tried to do his best, but I do believe that guilt was a part of his, he had a lot of nerve problems. And part of it was post-traumatic stress syndrome where he was uh, experienced those explosions over and over and the shootings over and over. And then, you know, yes, the guilt and then the missing our mom and then seeing us miss her. So, it was really trying to live in a different type of war then. We left one war in North Carolina and moved to Mobile, and a different war was, mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's it's hard to wrap your mind around this, and it, he just got worn down. I mean, it, it's hard for anybody to endure that over time and to watch your family and to feel so helpless amidst of all that and just nothing you can do, especially as men, you, you want to fix it and you want to be the one that's the protector. And when that's been taken away, it does, it is very, very hard. Well, Rebecca, we're going to take a, a break in just a moment and we come back. We're going to talk about, cause you've just shared this horrific story and we're going to talk about how you have survived your childhood and become the adult that you are today and how God is using your voice and your life 
and your brother in such profound ways. And even some of the things you shared, like on the Dr. Phil show, because we're going to get into a person that you met um, face to face and how God is continually using and healing. We'll be right back. This is Patty and Lisa. You're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, Tending the Heart of Ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. We are speaking today with Rebecca Alonzo, and she has recently been on the Dr. Phil show as well as CNN. And Rebecca, you were just sharing with us just um, having to go through this process as as a child and um, now just dealing with your mom was murdered and now your father is having uh, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome. He's dealing with, uh, you know, being in and out of the hospital. So, we kind of left you there. Tell us a little bit more now of how you're going into the healing process. Right. Well, when we moved to Mobile, Alabama, and with my dad's parents, um, one of his sisters, Dorothy, who is 
who was not married and did not have any children of her own, took us under her wing. And it was it was really neat because my dad is one of seven kids. And growing up, our Aunt Dot was the one we were always the closest to when we would visit. And she was the one that continued the teaching of forgiveness to my, me and my brother. Wow. Um, you know, she would talk to us about Matthew six fourteen. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And she would say, Becky, there's not any wiggle room in there. If you want forgiveness, which you do, because we're all sinners saved by grace, and you need to forgive. And that's when I, I realized, okay, Aunt Dot is saying the same thing Mom and Dad have been saying. And, you know, it was extremely hard losing our mom at, at such a young age. I mean, both of you, my heart goes out to both of y'all having lost your moms and just knowing the, the void, you know, that's there, that, you know, and the longing to see them again and going through all those different emotions and talking to God about it and just saying, this hurts so bad. I mean, some days I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was just so heavy on me. And so I had to learn as a child that God allows bad things to happen to good people. But he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he binds up their wounds. So I had to learn that as a little girl, even though I was watching my dad go in and out of hospitals and you know, Daniel and I were trying to recover and heal, and our Aunt Dot is praying for us and pouring into us. And we just had a great Christian support system, um, you know, to hold us up on both sides of our family, our mom's side that lived in Louisiana and our dad's side that lived in Alabama. And so it was a, it was a wonderful support system, but it was still hard. It was very, very hard. I said one of my life mottos became a chapter title in my book, and it's life is hard, but God is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to accept is that God is good, even though He allows bad things to happen. So, um, when my after the shooting, my dad and I flew back to North Carolina. I testified as an eight-year-old girl in the courtroom against Harris, the shooter. He was sentenced to life um, plus twenty years parole. So we're thinking, okay, you know, he he is he is dealt with now. Two years later, we go back. And my dad testifies at the bombing trial for Mr. Watts. One ATF agent hung in there, Charles Mercer, finally got Mr. Watts convicted. He was sentenced to 15 years. So both men that hurt our family, um, you know, were sent away to prison. We're Mm. in Mobile, living with my dad's family, moving, trying to move on. And then one day, I come home from school when I'm 14. My dad was away at the hospital waiting for him to come home. I was a daddy's girl, so, I mean, just could not wait to see him again. My brother and I come home from school, and we're told that our 46-year-old dad passed away that morning from a blood clot going to his heart. Mm -hmm. There was nothing wrong physically with him Mm -hmm. when he went in the hospital. So that was devastating to me. I mean, I was really, I really got mad at God at that point. Because I was like, okay, when I... Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, did you ever go through this phase where you res- even resented the church or, or just was angry with God? I, I didn't resent the church because of the love my parents had for the church. I, I, and, you know, I talk about this in the book, too. Some of those church members, you know, before the shooting, when we were still in North Carolina, they would stand around our house at night with shotguns so that we could get a good night's sleep. 
Wow. So we had a devotion from that congregation like nothing I've ever seen before. I mean, we had complete support and love from our church family. So, you know, we never, we were never part of a church like that again growing up. I mean, it was just a really precious thing that my mom and dad had because they built that church up from the dozen people to almost 200 people by the time of the shooting that Easter weekend. They were actually looking at property to build a bigger um, sanctuary and church. So my dad has now passed away. Um, you know, for two years I'm struggling with God. I'm mad at God for allowing this. I said when a when mother died, a man shot her and killed her, but Lord, you took dad from me. Mm-hmm. And so after a couple of years of that, and I talk about this on Dr. Phil, um, I said, you know, I realized I needed God more than I needed to be mad at him because mm-hmm. he had peace and comfort and purpose that I couldn't get into my life because I had my arms crossed across my heart holding on to my anger. And when I finally got to the end of myself and I opened my arms to God, I surrendered to Him and I let go of the anger, then that's when the healing just poured into my heart. And my aunt uh, adopted us. My Aunt Dot adopted my brother and I. So at 16, I had a legal guardian. Mm -hmm. A year later is when we get a phone call. And it's Mr. Watts. So he called our house in Alabama. Mm. And he said um, he wanted to talk to me. And I'm thinking, okay, he was sentenced to 15 years. It's only been five. I'm his one phone call today, you know. So we get on the phone and he said, "Uh, hello, Becky, this is Mr. Watts. You know, with this, (laughs) I mean, chills just went all over me. Oh, it takes you back, I'm sure. Yes, yes, yes. The sound of his voice just, yeah. And I could see his face and his arms crossed across his chest and just, you know, this angry look that he always had. And um, and so he said, I, I need to ask you a question. He said, I can't live the rest of my life without knowing the answer to this question. And he said, I want to know if you'll forgive me. Wow. And I said, Mr. Watts, my brother and I forgave you a long time ago. Hmm. And he broke and cried on the phone. Hmm. And he wow. said, I want you to know that I only served one year in prison. I, he had been out of prison for four years when he called me. Hmm. What do you uh, think led to that phone you, call? Do you, yeah. did, do you think he became a believer? Well, or? That's, that's what he said. He said, he said I, I served one year, but during that one year in prison, I found a relationship with God. And see, yeah. that had been my parents' hope. That's why he was in church every Sunday. You know, one thing I have to throw this in, people say, well, according to the New Testament, when there's a a member of a church that is acting in an ungodly way, this is the way that you deal with them. Well, Mr. Watts wasn't a Christian. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can apply the New Testament set up for a member of a church that is a believer, but when you've got a lunatic in your church, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you can't just, and he's been in control for so long, and he's got some police in his back pocket. I mean, you just, my parents dealt with him the best way that they could, and their whole hope was that he would come to the Lord. And so he said, I want to set up a trust fund for you and your brother. Whenever you graduate from college, you'll have Mm -hmm. enough money to get a car. And he did that. And he wrote letters, and he you know, he tried to do his best to make up for some really terrible, awful thing. I mean, everything that he that he was responsible for has not even all come out yet. He was responsible for five other people's murders that he was never connected to. Mm. 
So this was a very, very evil man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what is, it's just listening to this, even the fact that, you know, I mean, there's so many things that are not fair with his story, like just one year. And like you're saying, there's some other things, but so many times we look at people that are that evil and that hard and we go, God can never touch Mm -hmm. their heart or change. They can't, they cannot change. And just to see the, the legacy of your parents and that love is still stronger than, than, than hate. And God uses love. And, um, though you don't wish it, it's like your parents, you know, sitting in heaven are going, wow, what God did. And, and it's just a powerful story of transformation is what it is on so many different levels. And we need to see that, that God really does transform even the hardest of hearts. That's right. That's right. I, I say that. I say no one is broken beyond God's repair. Hmm. You know, no one is broken uh, so badly that God can't come into their life and transform them because that's the power of God. So, you know, we we extend this forgiveness to Him. He he is 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 humbled by it. He knows he doesn't deserve it. He knows he didn't spend the time in prison because he had all these political connections. Um, and so then, a few years later, he passes away from cancer. And I said, what? What a what a, a happy shock for my parents to be walking down the streets of gold and run into Mr. Watts. <laughs> you know, just to, I mean, what, you know, woo, you made it, yay. You know, God delivered you from hatred, yay, you know, and, and murder and, and all the things that he had done that there is, that, you know, God can just change a person's life like that. Yes. And so my, my you know, my brother and I are, 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 are moving on and everything and, and uh, my aunt is still teaching us, you know, how do you know when you forgive someone? Because I would tell her Mother's Day, Father's Day, which are very close together, my mom's birthday, um, graduating from high school, going to college, graduating from college, getting married. My brother had to walk me down the aisle because our dad was in heaven and couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, all these reminders of the loss, all all of it being rem- you know, reminded to me through these special occasions, you know, Mother's Day cards and Father's Day cards, you know, you're you're standing there in the store trying, I'm trying to find them for Kenny's mom and dad, but I'm reading thinking, gosh, I wish I could give this to mom on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. I wish I could tell dad how great of a dad he was and how I, I missed him and wish he could see my kids and play with them. Mm-hmm. And so Aunt Dot, you know, had to continued this teaching on forgiveness, and she said, how do you know if you've truly forgiven someone when all this, those reminders come up? And the, the scripture that's on the front of the book is uh, Romans twelve fourteen. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And she said, when you can hear their name, be reminded of the pain, or see that person, and you can pray for them and wish them well and bless them, that's how you know you've truly forgiven someone. If you can't do that, it's because you're still in a process of forgiving. Well, Rebecca, we're going to hold that thought. We'll be right back on Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, 
Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. To capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 Central on toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have so been inspired this day by our guest, Rebecca Alonzo, and her powerful story of forgiveness. And she's kind of walked us through from her childhood to today about about dealing with loss and dealing with um, the forgiveness and having that in your face. And Rebecca, again, we just want to thank you for being a guest on our show today and just for just sharing your heart and sharing such an encouraging message of hope and forgiveness in the midst of, of devastating pain. And if you are listening and you want to learn more about Rebecca and her story, you can go to our website at girlfriendit.com and we have links into Rebecca and you can read her book, The Devil Sits in Pew Number 7, which is a fascinating story. And Rebecca, as we, it's we kind of conclude our time together, which we are so sad because it's gone by way too fast. Um, talk to us because we know women are, and people are sitting out there listening today to this show and they're, maybe they're harboring something and then there's something they need to let go of and they need to forgive. There's somebody or something. How do you live on the other side of this pain and, and anger and these emotions and how do you truly allow God to transform and to um, allow you to forgive others and experience that freedom? Can we just kind of talk about that? Yeah, uh, right before the break, I was talking about how to know when you truly forgive someone, and Aunt Dot taught us that if you can bless them when you hear their name or see them, that you know you've truly forgiven them. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can't, then you're in that process still. You just have to make a choice. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. 
And I had to really get a hold of that because your feelings want to dominate who you are. You know, you, you feel sadness, you feel longing, you feel that missing of the parent or, or if you've lost a child or a friend or a family member and being able to still walk in peace even though you don't have that person in your life anymore. And so I had to learn at a young age that forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. And as a child, like I said, I watched my parents forgive. And then when I got older, I had to learn how to forgive on my own. And I looked at Jesus on the cross, forgiving the sin of humanity. Mm -hmm. He was innocent. He He had not done anything wrong, yet he was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I learned that forgiveness is the language of heaven. Whenever we speak that forgiveness to each other, whether that person deserves it or not, whether they ever apologize or not, we're speaking the language of heaven. And as a believer, the Lord will bless you for that obedience. You know, I I tell people all the time, um, you know, you've got to know who your real enemy is. And it's not the person that has hurt you. It wasn't Mr. Watts who sat in pew number seven and lived across the street from our house. It wasn't Harris who came in and shot my parents killing my mom that weekend. It is the enemy of God. And when we can get a hold of that and read in Ephesians 4 about, you know, um, how to get ready for this battle that we're in, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers and evil spirits. And so when you realize who your real enemy is, you can forgive the person that was used by the real enemy. Mr. Watts was used by the enemy. Harris was used by the enemy. And uh, that helped me a lot, you know, to realize, wow, okay, I, I see what's going on here. You know, and Lord, help me never be used by the enemy. <laughs> you know, help me to be a blessing to people and help me to forgive quickly because, you know, when that offense or that hurt comes, the longer we stew and the longer we think about it and the, and the more we feel um, just wounded, that hurt goes deep and then we have to go deep to dig it out. And so I would just encourage people to to forgive quickly and to know who your real enemy is because that will set you free. That's what the enemy wants to do is is get you wrapped up in in unforgiveness and bitterness so that you can't live that life of freedom that Christ died on the cross to give you. And that is so very well said and such great tangible things because we do operate with our feelings and and forgiveness really is a choice. And like we said earlier, it doesn't mean you always forget because we, we, you know, we kind of were raised with, you know, forgive and forget. And that's not accurate because you can, you still remember and, and the hurts and the wounds, but you can get past them. And your story truly is amazing because you were truly devastated and, and dealt with loss that most people can't even fathom, starting at such a young age. And yet to see you, to hear you, and to hear your heart, you have become quite um, remarkable that it, it that you weren't stunted, that you um, are not blaming, constantly blaming others, that you are not walking in a state of constant woundedness, which a lot of times people do when they've been wronged that right. to that degree they continue to operate out of a place of woundedness and always the victim. And right. we see right. and hear from you, you, you're not the victim. And you, in fact, are helping others so much and giving it away because it was modeled by your parents. And, you know, what amazing parents you had and an amazing mom and dad 
that really, truly love Jesus that much and pour that yeah, into yeah. you, that that was an amazing legacy they left in your life and just how you're impacting your children. So what are the, some of the things that you, that you pour into your children, you tell your children, you know, part of their, their history, their legacy with their grandparents and this story? Right. Well, you know, my kids are just like everybody else's kids. They get uh, aggravated with each other over little silly sibling things. And, you know, I'm like, Colby, you have to forgive Caitlin, even though she ate your Pringles, okay? And I know you wrote your (laughs) name on them, (laughs) but you have to forgive her. You know, if Mommy can forgive, and I mean, he can't get away with ever holding a grudge, because if, if Mommy can forgive the people that hurt her family then you have to forgive your sister or your friend or me. You know, you have to forgive mom because I'm, I'm telling you I'm sorry and please forgive me. And forgiveness, it, love and forgiveness to me are the most two important things you can walk in. If you can love people the way God loves them, you can forgive them the way God forgives them. And that opportunity came along um, for us on the Dr. Phil show 33 years after the shooting we're called um, by the Dr. Phil producer, and, and she's saying, we just saw your story on CNN.com. It was a Tuesday. She said, we want you here next Tuesday. So breakneck speed, get the kids situated, get all of our stuff together, fly out to L.A. She said, but the, the catch is we want this to be a reunion show with Harris. Now, Harris, mm-hmm. which I found out later, got out of prison after only 20 years instead of life plus per, uh, 20 years parole. So I had to deal with that emotion again. You know, well, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. He took my mother's life. Why isn't he still in prison? He's not so paying the full price. I'm sorry? Yeah, you're, you're kind of going, he's not paying the full price. That's you know, right. The, he served less time than my mother had been gone when I found out that he had gotten out. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, here I'm back to the... I'm back to the throne again. Okay, God, <laughs> this mm-hmm. isn't fair. Um, and, you know, my dad had said in, in his, on, on, a, on a cassette tape that I have of him sharing his story and his testimony, he said, I forgave the man who, who shot my wife and I. And so to hear my dad say that, I forgave the man, and my hope is that he would be saved. So we fly out to L.A., and here we are, first time I've seen Harris. The last time I saw him, I was eight years old, testifying against him at the murder trial. And we are brought together with him in front of the world on the Dr. Phil stage. Mm. And again, I was able to look across at the man who took my mother's life and, and shot my dad, which resulted in his death a few years later. And I was able to say, Harris, I forgive you. I I forgave you a long time ago, but I choose to forgive you again. So that was just an amazing moment for us to be able to tell him we forgave him and for him to be able to say, he whispered in our ear that he was sorry. He never really said it out loud on the show, you know, taking responsibility for it, but he did whisper in our ear, I'm I'm so sorry. And after the show was over, we ran back to his room real quick. We had to hurry up and catch a flight home. And we were able to give him a beautiful, thick, leather study Bible with his name engraved on it. Wow. So just that Romans 8.28, God promises to make, you know, things that were intended for evil, he can make them good. Mm-hmm. And Harris just cried and thanked us, you know, for giving him that forgiveness. But he didn't deserve it. But none of us do. Mm-hmm. We've all fallen short. And so it's just been an amazing journey to see how I didn't expect that apology from Harris, but God knew that he was going to use it 
to spread this message of forgiveness. Well, Rebecca, we only have a couple minutes before we have to end the show. And uh, going back once again, even with Harris, do you do you think he had was it a transformation from the Lord or what what took place? Were, were you able to talk with him a little bit more after the Dr. Phil show and find out why he would even No, listen? but sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I didn't get to. Um, what happened was the CNN, a CNN producer, went back to Sellerstown and interviewed Harris, and that was what was put on the internet that grabbed Dr. Phil people's attention. So when the CNN guy went back, he interviewed Harris, and Harris had, you know, shared his heart and and said, while I was in prison reading my Bible, oh. and so his son, you know, said that he had found Jesus, that he had found a relationship with God. So that is even more of of just something that's really precious to me, knowing how much my parents cared about Harris and had reached out to try to help him um, when he was, you know, dealing with alcoholism and that they they just really cared and loved people, regardless of how much money they had or if they were an alcoholic or whatever. They just loved people with the love of God and they forgave people the way that Jesus forgives us. Well, and I like your story because it really is all about obedience, and we can't control how the other person is going to respond. If we get an I'm sorry or whatever it is, we are called to love and to forgive because that's what Jesus did for us, like you said so beautifully, and it really is an act of obedience, and you're living in freedom because you have been obedient to Christ. Hello? Is there someone or something that you need to forgive starting this day? And is there something that you're holding on to? And Rebecca, you have just eloquently and gracefully showed us the the power of forgiveness and the freedom. And we want to encourage people to even listen to watch you on Dr. Phil, because it was truly amazing. You just, your countenance, your presence, you truly did ooze Jesus uh, in so many ways. And you didn't, I know you weren't allowed to use so many words, but you didn't have to use words because it was so evident. So we just want to commend you and say thank you for being Jesus with skin on and being an example and an inspiration to so many of us. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you again and just continue to follow you and your story and your journey. So thank you for just being with us today. And um, we look forward to talking to you again. And uh, this has been Girlfriend at Radio. This is Patty and Lisa. Think again, who do you need to forgive and go love like Jesus? Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 